Well, it's a joy to be gathering with you all again. Happy New Year's Eve. Good to see you all this morning as we gather together to worship our awesome God. Uh, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Nowood. Uh, I just want to welcome you here. And this morning, uh, we finished our series, uh, our Advent series for Christmas. Uh, so we just have a one-off before we move into our series in Genesis. Uh, so if you could turn with me to Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. Well, I used to be a runner. I used to run a lot. I guess that has a different meaning sometimes. Sometimes kids run away. Uh, I did do that once. I ran down the street. I didn't go very far. <laughs> my parents found me very quickly, or my brother did. Uh, but I used to run a lot in, in, in school. I did cross country. Uh, when we had cross country, there was also soccer happening and volleyball. I did all three. I loved athletics. I loved running. Uh, and it took a, a lot of work to get better at running. We often ran longer than we had to for the different uh, meets that we had, the running meets that we had. So if we had to run two kilometers, then we actually ran like three or four kilometers when we did practice. Because it started to build up endurance so that when we did the two kilometers, it didn't feel so bad, right? We already did four, so it was fine. But even if you've practiced a lot, sometimes stuff happens in races, and it's, it, even if you've like got a lot of endurance, it, it doesn't help. Because I remember I, I went to a, a regional meet, and the moment I started running, about like a few steps in, I felt very quickly cramps already building up. And if you've had a cramp before while running, it, it doesn't help. It really slows you down. And even if you thought you had a lot of endurance, your endurance goes very quickly because it just, it just hurts. You're running like this, trying to like hold your arms up, which isn't good form, all that kind of stuff. It's not good. It's not helpful when running. But we, we try to grow and work through these things when we run the race. And when I ran this race, I, I fought through and I did my best. And I tried to get to the finish line, but it, it was a rough go. And sometimes... Life can feel like that, too. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews calls life a race, and he calls us to run this race with endurance. But that means, one, we have to have endurance, and two, when things come that kind of take away our endurance, we need something to help us to work through those things. Right? Life is a race, especially the Christian life. One following after Jesus requires a lot of endurance faithful endurance, and it's difficult. How do we run this race with faithful endurance? Because I know that there's things in our life that really sap the endurance out of us. We really want to just throw in the towel and quit. But we can finish this race. We can finish this race well. And I pray that as we look at Hebrews 12 this morning, that we will see how we can run with faithful endurance endurance, how we can see that finish line coming and get there with nothing left in the tank. And so, won't you turn with me into Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 4. Let's read this together. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let us pray. Holy God, as we come before you this morning, God, may we just stand in awe of you. May we just be in awe of you and your holiness, God, your majesty, your power, as we hear from your word, God, your truth this morning. God, may we see it rightly as your truth. Lord, grant us a hunger for it, a desire to hear from you. Lord, guide us in wisdom and understanding as we, that we would know the meaning of this text and how it points us to Christ. God, increase our love for you and for one another. Help us, God, to apply this to our lives today, that we would be changed by your word through the working of your Holy Spirit, that we'd be obedient followers of Christ. And Lord, help me to preach your word with boldness and gentleness, that you will be centered, that you will be glorified as you continue to save and sanctify your people, God, as you do a mighty work that only you can. God, may this be all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we walk through Hebrews 12, we see that the author of Hebrews calls us to run this race. Before he says that, he says this very important word uh, in all literature, but specifically in the Bible, it's important. When we see the word therefore, it's a good indication to look back at what was said before right? I've said these things, therefore do this. So what did the author of Hebrews say before? In chapter 11, the author of Hebrews points back to these examples of Old Testament saints of faith. Uh, Sometimes we use the, the hall of faith. It's this kind of hall of fame of these Old Testament uh, people who walked with faith in their life, walked and, and essentially ran this race with endurance and faith. And he's pointing back to these people as we read through this, as we see God at work in these things. These are the people that you would have read through. If you've read through the Bible before, you'd recognize. If you've grown up in church, you'd definitely recognize them. If you've seen those little flannel graph pictures of posting them up on the, the board, right? In storybooks and movies, we've heard about these people. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and many others. They all lived by faith and they all died in faith. Though not receiving the promises yet, they had faith in God who gave that promise that one day all those promises would be fulfilled. They had faith and they ran this life in faith. But what is this faith? What, is, what does it mean to actually have faith, right? If If we're supposed to look at these people and see this faith that they have, what is this faith that we are to have as well? Well, thankfully, the author of Hebrews says it in chapter 11, right at the beginning, before he gets into all these examples of people who had faith. If you turn the page, or maybe a couple pages, because chapter 11 is pretty long, to verse 1 it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. 
That is faith. Now, that may be a little confusing, though. It's, it's worded a little bit differently. But there's this uh, musical group that I love called Beautiful Eulogy, and they have a song that talks about faith. It's kind of this sermon jam. And it says this, Authentic faith is the confident assurance in events not yet seen, right? Quoting Hebrews 11.1. 1. So faith is not a call to believe in things when common sense tells you not to. It's not a mindless stab in the dark. It's a word that speaks of reason, careful, deliberate, intentional thought. Right? It's not foundationless. It's a thought upon God and his promises. If you're absolutely gripped by the coming realities, it says that you have been promised to you by God, then how you live in the present will be radically different than if you did not possess that certainty. Right? It changes how you live. It's positive certainty expressed in action. Authentic faith is not merely believing in God. It is believing God. This is faith. It's an assurance. It's a certainty. It's not this wishful thinking. It's not, well, I hope this happens. It's, no, God promised this, and he's going to do it because he is God, and he is faithful. That is faith. And this faith is a gift. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? There's action in this faith, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so our faith grows. Our faith is even more assured as our understanding of who God is grows and deepens. The one who our faith is actually in. And then it will show an action in obedience because we are reflecting upon a holy God who created us, who loved us, and who saved us to himself through the giving of himself in Christ Jesus, the Son of God. As we submit to Jesus, we serve him as our Savior, our Lord, and our King. This is the faith in the action that comes with that faith, that shows that true faith that we have. The resurrection of Jesus assures our faith, right? If God has a power over even death and sin, what can he not do? Right? Nothing is impossible with God, and we can be assured of that. Our faith is not foundationless, brothers and sisters. It is an assured faith resting in who God is. And he is faithful. And so that's why the author of Hebrews is pointing us to this cloud of witnesses. Because it's not just encouraging us to say, hey, look, here's some other people clapping you on, encouraging you as you run this race. It's saying, look at these people who had a faith in a God who is faithful. Because it's pointing us to God. These witnesses are pointing us to God and calling us to have that same faith in a God who is so faithful. And so we'll see even more clearly this this witnessing coming about because it points us to Christ. It points us to the gospel. It points us to God who before time began had this plan set in motion to save a people to himself. 
We can see God at work in the lives of these people. We can see God at work in the lives of the people around us, right? Look around you and see the examples of God's faithfulness in fellow brothers and sisters right here at Knollwood. Right? It's an encouragement as it points us to a God who continues to be faithful, to continue to work, who continues to bring people to himself in Jesus Christ through faith in him. So we can look to scripture and we can see how amazing our God is, who has remained faithful in his promises, who is a powerful enough, trustworthy enough, loving enough to carry them out. We can see that happening time and time again in all of these faithful witnesses walking in obedience to God. And it should lead us, too, to active obedience. It's important for why we even gather together, coming together uh, to see one another, right? As we see God at work in each of our different lives, as we hear about things that might be going on that might be difficult, we see God still working in them. We still, still see God working in those situations, bringing them step by step in his faithful care, in his faithful work to sanctify his people. And as we walk, as we, as we go through this life, as we run it through, we continue to grow and be sanctified as we trust in our God, as we walk in obedience. But it is take some work, right? It is a race after all. We do have to run. But before we run, the author of Hebrews says one more thing. Because it's important that we don't run with weight and sin. Have you tried to run with weights? Sometimes it helps for training, but for the most part, it's not good. You definitely don't want to have weights when you're running a race, because it's going to slow you down. I remember in uh, fitness class, they would make us do this. It was awful. We always did fitness circuits, and you did a bunch of different exercises all the time. And one of the worst ones was we just ran around this like circle in the hallways, but you had to carry dumbbells. So not only were you like weighed down in your arms, but like you couldn't swing them, so you're running like this. You can't even move. It's heavy, but it's also uncomfortable. It's cumbersome. It doesn't allow us to actually run very well. And so the author of Hebrews calls us to lay aside this weight and sin that clings so closely. Right? Sometimes it's just weight of the hardships of life. And it's not saying don't acknowledge them, don't just set them aside and ignore them, but don't allow them to cause such a weight on your life that you can't run this race faithfully for God. Right? Because there's going to be hard things that come. God promises us that. Right? There's going to be persecution. There's going to be hardships. Death is still in this world. We're still in the now and not yet. But we are people who have a joy in the hope of Christ. We can cast aside these weights and we can run this race, knowing that God is with us till the very end. And so he calls us to lay aside these weights. But he also calls us to lay aside the sin that clings so closely. Are we not often guilty of laying aside some of our weight and sin? Pushing aside some of it, but there's some of it that's like a little bit, takes a little bit more work, a little harder to push aside, or it's really comfortable for us if we just keep it. 
We make excuses or exceptions for keeping some weight in sin and getting rid of others. Maybe for comfort, for pleasure, or for some kind of hope that we have in it. But what does the text say? Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Because sin clings. In Genesis 4, when God was talking to Cain, he said, sin is crouching at the door. It's right there. And it's ready to cling and latch on to you if you let it. And I think some of us are guilty of letting sin sit in our house, kick up its feet, turn on the TV, grab some snacks, and we entertain it. We let it live. But it's not just ignoring it. It's not just letting it hover around like an annoying fly. It's, it's putting an end to the sin, right? Laying it aside, casting it off and going, right? You're getting rid of it. It's killing it and not looking back. Romans 8, 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This faith brings about an obedience. It brings about a changed life that's not comfortable in our sin anymore. We're uncomfortable in it. We want to lay it aside because we want to glorify and honor our holy God who has saved us. Who has sent his son to pay that price for us. John Owen uses this phrase, the mortification of sin, speaking on how one united to Christ by the power of the Spirit in them ought to be fighting against the sin that is in them, to push aside the impulse and temptation of sin, to kill it. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can fight against sin and put it to death because Christ died for our sins. Right? God has made it possible for us to fight. We are no longer slaves to our sin anymore. 1 John 2, 1 to 2 says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation. He's the one who's appeased the wrath of God for our sins. He's taken it upon himself. And not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. God has done this in order that we could live in holy obedience to him. Not that we'll never sin again, but we should be fighting against it. Right? If that temptation comes, we shouldn't be opening the door and letting it in. We should be trying to hold that door closed. Turning to God in prayer. Turning to his word. Resting in the power of the spirit in us. Looking to Christ, our propitiation for our sins. And so I ask you this question, is there victory over your sin? Or are you losing the battle to your sin most of the time? Because I think that's a clear sign if you're fighting or not. If you're allowing that sin in your house, kicking up its feet on the couch, entertaining it, are you doing something about it? Are you talking to someone about it? Are you repenting of it? Are you asking God for forgiveness in it? Are you talking to a, a fellow brother or sister about it that they can keep you accountable in that? Are you taking the steps to fight against that sin? Because Jesus paid for it when he died on the cross. 
Don't keep sitting in the muck of your sin. Cast it off, kill it, and run. Because it's a weight. It's uncomfortable. I did the foam run once with my dad, and it's not just like a running race. You're crawling through things. You're falling in water and puddles and pools, and it's... The problem is, is that it's heavy. It's uncomfortable. I don't know, like, wet socks is the worst feeling ever. Trying to run with wet socks, it's, it's gross. Right? But that's, that's what it was. But it's, it, it builds a weight on you. The text is saying, cast that off so that you can run this race with endurance that is set before you. Run it. Run in that, that light because Jesus is that light. We can have fellowship with him and one another because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, right? It wipes that muck clean as we put our faith in Jesus who died for us and who rose again. Run with endurance, right? The weight of sin makes it a lot tougher to run because it saps the life out of us. There's trials and there's suffering, there's sin, and there's temptation, But the author tells us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. So don't add that extra weight on. We're supposed to be running, right? And I think, honestly, sometimes we're guilty of maybe maybe speed walking. I'll give you that, maybe. Maybe even worse. Some of us might just be sitting, scooching along the ground but he's telling us to run, right? It takes work. It's hard. Running is hard because it starts to build up. You get tired. You get cramps. You get bad terrain. You have hills up and down, right? It's, It's tough. It's a tough run, but we can have an endurance. Keep going. We can be encouraged by these faithful examples, right? As you said, this cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by them of those who have run with faithful endurance because it points us to a God who is faithful, And that's what the author of Hebrews is continuing on as he moves into verses 2 to 4. What actually keeps us enduring? Because we can look at these faithful witnesses, but the reality is, is they were still sinful. They didn't run the race perfectly. Right? They still sinned. They still had a lot of bad decisions. Right? Noah wasn't perfect, Abraham wasn't perfect, Moses wasn't perfect. So what keeps us enduring in this race? Well, the author of Hebrews points us to it in verse 2. Run this race with endurance, the race that is set before us, that God has set before us, looking to Jesus. And so we're called to run this race, running this race, but to actually run this race with endurance and run this race well, we are to look to Jesus. Looking to him. I love how the NIV actually puts it, fixing our eyes. Turn your eyes to Jesus. See, these witnesses actually turn our gaze not to themselves, but to the one who is worthy of our gaze, the one who we are to fix our eyes upon. Look to him, to Jesus Always, all the time, every day, every step that you're taking, look to Jesus. Read about him in God's word, the Son of God, and be in awe, in wonder, in gratitude, in reverence to the founder and perfecter of our faith. 
Is Jesus the center of our life? Are we always looking to him? Are we filtering everything that we do and say and think through him? Do we always look to him first or do we go to something else? Right? The author says, look to Jesus, and then he gets into very specifically why we can look to Jesus and why he helps us endure. First, he is the founder of our faith. This word founder or author, it's simply pointing to the fact that Jesus begins it. He's the originator of the faith that we have. This faith that uh, the author of Hebrews was talking about in chapter 11 and now in chapter 12, running this race with faith. Jesus is the originator of it. It comes from him. He's the captain. He's the prince. He steers it. He controls. He governs. He cares. It comes from Jesus. He's the one who gives it to us, right? This is a gift from God in Jesus Christ. So he's the founder of this faith, but he's also the perfecter of this faith. He's the one who completes it. He's the one who finishes it, right? He brings it to conclusion. If you remember in John 19, verses 30, when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, he had received the sour wine, and he said three words, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Right? Jesus finished the work. He is the perfecter of it. He completed it. The work is done. And now we're just running this race, looking to him. Right? Jesus did it. See, I'm, a, I'm an incompleter. I have a lot of stuff I'd like to do, and I like to start sometimes, but then I don't actually finish it. Right? I'm sure there's some of you who are probably guilty of that too. Wives are probably looking at their husbands and thinking of all the things that they gave them as far as tasks to do and get done. Right? I'm an incompleter. I, I find it easy sometimes to start things, but it's, it's, it's hard to take it all the way to the end, right? To finish it, to get it done. But Jesus isn't like that. Right? He will bring what he started to completion. He promised and he will finish it. Amen? That is trustworthy. And that brings us hope. And that gives us the endurance that we need to keep going. Because Jesus has finished the work. And he's bringing it to completion as we look ahead to him for his return. Or to the hope of eternity if that comes first. When we die. As a founder and perfecter of our faith, he endured. And what the author says is, is amazing of how he actually endured. Right? He endured so much. As we look at, at the, the end of verse 2, it says this. Are you ready? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Joy. I don't know if you've ever run a race or gone through hardship and you've had, the first thing you think of or feel is joy. But Jesus had joy as he endured the cross, the worst possible way to die, a Roman cross, beaten, spat on, insulted, dragging his own cross through the town and up the hill nailed to it, 
thorn, a crown of thorns on his head, naked and shameful before everyone. And yet Jesus had joy as he endured the cross. Because he knew God's plan of redemption. And willingly and joyfully he submitted to it. That he may fulfill and bring it to completion. Right? The perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Enduring the shame and beatings and betrayal and death on the cross and obedience to the Father in love for humanity, he paid the price that all who put their faith in him could be saved because he bore the wrath and punishment for our sins. He died. He physically died that we might live and know God as our Heavenly Father. And he did this with joy. And he rose, showing that his sacrifice was sufficient and accepted, that sin and death could not defeat God in his plan for redemption. Jesus endured what was temporary suffering for the internal joy and salvation of the bride being redeemed. As he is seated now at the right hand of God, mediating, right, that separation from sin overcome through Jesus, restoring that relationship with God. He's mediating for us. And he's interceding this ongoing intervention on behalf of believers. Right? Jesus is doing that right now. For us, as our great high priest, bringing us to God righteous and holy. And he did all this, endured all this with Joy. What a Savior that we have. What a God that we serve. And so we look to Christ who endured with joy, even in the face of the cross, even in the face of God's wrath for our sins, even in the face of death, he endured with joy for the sake of saving and being the way for us to be made right before God, right? The way, the truth, and the life. He ran that race with faith and he endured. And therefore, so can we run this race with endurance by looking to Christ. So don't grow weary, Christian. Don't lose heart. Christ has finished the work, right? It is finished. And we can run freely looking to him as our target, our goal, our pacemaker. Or if you're a runner, a rabbit. That's the term, apparently. Right? He's running before us. He's setting that pace, and we're behind him, running, fixing our eyes on him, finishing this race, running with endurance, knowing that he is with us through it all and that he has endured through it. He's gone ahead, and he's finished this race perfectly. Right? He did not sin. So look and consider Christ who endured. Right? In verse 3, the author uses this word consider, and it's not really a suggestion. It's saying, no, look. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Look at this example that he has set, that he has put, that he has created for us and enabling us to endure in this life. It is to be constantly looking to Jesus as a model who endured the hostility of sinners to save sinners, right? That's you and me. We're the sinners. He endured even the hostility from those whom he would save. 
And he endured that with joy. He endured with joy to save us. Us. Children of wrath. Evil, sinful, wretches. And he went all the way to bloodshed, to death, without sinning, that we could know God as our Heavenly Father, receiving the glorious blessing of eternity with him. Right? It doesn't always take a lot for us to quit. Right? Jesus endured hostility from his enemies. And so we should not grow weary and faint-hearted, and yet we often so easily can quit. But in our struggle against sin, we have not resisted to the point of shedding our blood. But it seems like sometimes just getting tired in the day makes us want to throw in the towel and quit. It's been a long day. Work was frustrating. Or our spouse or our kids said something, bothered us. And then we want to give in to sin. We want to give in to temptation. We want to get lazy. We want to say something back at them, right, to get back. Because we grow weary and faint-hearted and because our eyes start to slowly shift from Jesus and they move over to these other things, right? We start to get distracted as we're running. And we want to throw in the towel. But looking to Jesus helps us in that. We have a high priest who sympathizes with us. And even more so, one of my favorite books that I read, I think it was a couple of years ago now, called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. Uh, he talks, it's, it's so powerful and deep. I encourage you to read it. It, it just makes so much of, of Christ and who our God is and just deepens the, the knowledge and understanding of him and what Christ has done and who Christ is. But in this book, uh, he talks about this idea that, that because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we have one who, because of Jesus' sinlessness, he did not sin, he is perfect. He knows temptation better than we ourselves do, right? Because if you think about this, and he, he quotes C.S. Lewis talking about this illustration. He talks about a man who, who walks against the wind. But once the wind of temptation gets strong enough, right, once it pushes hard enough, the man lies down to give in because it was too strong. And therefore, it does not know what it would have been like 10 minutes later, how much stronger that wind might have come. But Jesus never laid down. He endured. He endured with joy. He endured all our temptations and testings without ever giving in. He therefore knows the strength of temptation better than any of us. Only he truly knows the cost that it takes to endure. And so we have a high priest. We have a savior. We have a God who understands the temptations that we face, that we are called to endure. And he understands them better than we ever will. He understands them all the way to the point of shedding his own blood of dying in our place, of bearing God's wrath for our sins. Right? Jesus never laid down. And praise God that he didn't, or else we would not be here. 
with joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Christian, in your weariness, in your struggle and temptation of sin, fix your eyes on Christ. Come to him. Cry out to him. Trust in him. That's where our hope and endurance comes as we run this race. That's who points us to the eternal joy of salvation. Look to Jesus because the race hasn't ended yet. You're still here. Right? Whether you're 12, 25, 48, 84, or 102, if you're still here, you're still running the race. And God is still using you for his purpose and for his glory. And he can. And he will. As we walk in faithful obedience. So run this race with faithful endurance as you look to the one who perfectly finished the work that enables us to be free from sin, sanctified and justified before God, adopted as his own, as his children, walking and running in the Holy Spirit with faith and obedience. In Jesus Christ, our founder and finisher of this faith, And so what, you may ask, how do we truly run this race with faithful endurance, right? It's only by fixing our eyes on Christ that we will run this race of life with endurance and faith. Fix our eyes on Christ, right? What does that look like? Well, maybe you haven't even started this race yet. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about Jesus and what he's done for you. I encourage you to start the race. Put your faith in Christ because you can't finish this race without him. There's two places that we go when we die. Either with God for eternity and his love and his joy, glorifying and worshiping him in heaven or his wrath and punishment upon us in hell. We want to run this race with faithful endurance And perseverance shows that faith. So I encourage you, if you have not put your faith in Christ, that you don't leave here without talking to someone about what it means to trust in Christ, to put your faith in him for your sins, for forgiveness of your sins. So maybe you're you're lost, you haven't started that race yet, but maybe you have started the race, but you're kind of in like last place right now. You're not really moving very fast. Do you feel like you're tired and you're ready to give up, right? And everyone seems so far ahead. Maybe God doesn't even feel like he's with you right now. Be encouraged to shift your eyes from the distractions and temptations around you and start by just fixing your eyes on Jesus, reminding yourself of what he has done for you. Look to God's word and see who God is. Talk to a brother or sister here. Share with them the hardship that you're feeling and be encouraged that God is not done with you yet. You can get up and take that first step. Start running again. Maybe you feel like you've crashed and you've kind of just hit rock bottom. I think in all these things, we just turn our eyes to Christ who is our high priest and knows what we are tempted with and what we are going through. He has experienced it all and all the more gone through it. 
he can sympathize with us. We can cry out to him, and he knows and he understands. And he gives the joy that no one else can give, a joy that endures and a joy that is assured in him. Church, I pray that as we head into this new year that we would be a people who are running with endurance, with our eyes fixed on Christ, faithfully running this race, that we would end well, whenever that may be, right? We don't know. God knows. Could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now. Run this race with endurance. Fix your eyes on Christ. Because it's only through that that we will run this race of life with endurance and with faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be with your people. What a joy it is to have your word, God, that you have given to us. God, to know you. God, and to know you through our faith in Christ Jesus, who came who endured with joy the temptations of this world, the difficulties of this world, the sufferings of this world, and God, even bloodshed on the cross. God, help us to fix our eyes on him, the founder and the finisher of our faith. God, the one whom, God, we can look at, who we can rest in, in all things. God, who gives us an eternal joy, for he had a joy as he endured even the cross. God, help us as we apply this text to our lives, even today, God, to be faithful witnesses of you. God, to walk in faithful obedience to you. God, and to run this race with endurance. God, help us not grow weary or faint-hearted. God, to fix our eyes on Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.